So we welcome all of you there in Belito, and we welcome all of you on Faith TV this morning, because we are broadcasting on Faith TV, but this is the first time that I just decided I'm stopping using YouTube, uh, YouTube Live and Facebook Live, because I want people to come back to the house of God, back into the presence of God, to come and serve God the way we should and how He's ordained it. And I will say this before you're seated, we are not going to ignore those that are incapacitated, not decapitated, incapacitated, that can't come. They can uh, inbox us, mail us, and we'll give them the private link so they can watch if they cannot get to church. But for the rest of us, let's get off our rusty dusties and get back into the presence of God. Great to see so many of you here this morning. Give somebody a high five and you may be seated. This morning's message quite simply I am the Lord your God. I am, not me, God speaking, the Lord your God. It's all based on the foundational series that I've been talking about, victory after victory. In Zephaniah 3 verse 17, the Bible says, the Lord your God wins victory after victory and He's always with you. He celebrates and sings because of you and He will refresh your life with His life. No, that's right, with His love, His life, His love, the same thing. So we understand that God is the source of every victory in our lives. I've quoted this before, but I'm going to quote it again. Somebody not so long ago said to me that they find Christianity boring. And my response to them was quite simply, so is television when it is not plugged in. And the reality is, Jesus will lift you out of the deepest, darkest pit. Psalm 40 says, Psalm 40 speaks about it. He lifted me out of that pit, out of that grave. He will lift you out of the deepest, darkest pit, but He will not lift you out of your comfortable chair, your easy chair. So we have to make an intentional decision to get back to the source of victory, get back to God's presence. Get, get back to God's purpose. Get back to God's Word. Get back to God's Spirit. Now, I want to start out by making a, a, a clear statement. I'm a preacher, and I'm going to try and teach a little bit this morning. It probably won't come out that way, but I'm going to try. We need to worship God, and we sang about it this morning, in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. If we become... Those that just worship Him in spirit, we become flaky. No change. You can fall under the power of the Holy Ghost 400 times, but if, you, if you're just going to stay under the power, how are you going to change your life if you don't know the Word? And if you just study the Word of God, you're going to become, without the Spirit of God, you're going to find yourself becoming very legalistic. So we really worship God in spirit and in truth. We need the combination. And your whole journey with God is a journey, a relationship where you navigate that. I'm a pastor now many years. I still haven't got it all together. The only thing that keeps it all together for me is my trust in the living God, in Jesus, is my personal relationship with Him. And along this journey of nearly 29 years with the Lord, there are things where I've had great success and there are times I've gone through deep, dark valleys but I haven't quit on God. I haven't quit on the process. I haven't quit on the journey. And I haven't quit on the relationship. I mean, there's many things I'm going to ask God when I get to heaven. Of course, they don't make sense on earth. 
My first month of the ministry, I had to do three funerals. My first month was I coming to a ministry to start a ministry of abundant life or was I coming to become a funeral pastor? The one funeral was a baby six months old. The parents weren't even saved. They were religious. Let me tell you, that challenges you as a young pastor. It challenges you no matter how long you're in the ministry. The one funeral I had to do, I didn't even know the lady, but she died and her daughter was from overseas and they'd been fighting. And when I did the end bit of, you know, ashes to ashes and dust to dust and we lowered the coffin, the daughter jumped over the rails at the graveside and jumped onto the coffin. So somebody said, Pastor, what did you do? I said, I'd finished my job. I walked away. I've seen many things that make no sense. And one day when I get to heaven, I'm going to say, I'm not even going to ask him the questions. You know why? Because when I get to heaven, I'll be so overawed by His presence, by His love. Those little challenges, those insignificant battles, those weird things I went through will just be so insignificant. Because all I'll do is I'll fall on my face and I'll begin to cry out to a living God. And I'll say, holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. Oh, He is worthy. I'll just worship Him and honor Him and love Him. Oh, somebody that loves God this morning, just begin to worship Him this morning. Begin to worship Him this morning. You see, our challenge is we try and serve God out of our finite understanding. We try and reason and we try and bring emotion into it. This past Sunday when Pastor preached a phenomenal message called Three Witnesses. And he spoke about the Word, the rule of God, the Word. He spoke briefly on the Holy Spirit, the inner witness. And he spoke about godly counsel. And if you were listening at the whole message, you would, you would have noticed he got stuck on the Word. Because that is the foundation of our relationship with God. The Word of God. Not I went to church and I heard Pastor Glenn or, or Pastor Art or some other pastor make a statement. And, and because of what you're going through, you like the statement. So you just hold on to the statement, but you don't know whether it's founded in the Word. Our whole relationship with God is founded in the Word. And if we don't have an understanding of the Word, how then is the Holy Spirit, the inner witness, going to lead us? Because the Bible says He leads us to all truth. But the, the truth is the Word. And people get absolutely flaky. You know, when I, when I planned what I'm going to address in this morning, um, I didn't pray in tongues for 15 minutes. Well, praise the Lord. What tie should I wear? I brought two ties. And then I saw one in my cupboard in my office and I took that one. Why did you take that one? Did you feel led by the Holy Ghost? Really? Cuckoo. 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 No, I just liked it. I don't like it. That's your problem. Not my problem. You see, you see, we've got to the stage we become too flaky. Because what is the foundation of God's Word? What does God's Word say about your clothing? Do you know how you should dress? Does God want you to look like a cook sister in how you dress? Or does God want you to look where you're covered up but only your eyes stick out? We, we get caught up so much in religion and, 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 and flakiness that we miss out what God says. And your foundation of your relationship with Him, the Bible says, is the Word. Psalm 138 verse 2, the Bible says, God exalts His Word above His name. 
Psalm 119 verse 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In the easy translation, it says, Your word is like a lamp that shines as my guide. It shows me the right way to live. And the sad truth is, my brothers and my sisters, is many people are stumbling because they can't see where they are going. Because the Word is not there to guide them. The Word is not there to shine on their path. God promises us an abundant life. But to get to that abundant life is a journey and you need God's guidance system. Where He warns you. Where He shows you. And when you walk in His divine will, He can protect you and lead you and guide you. Well, I just don't feel like this anymore. And I just don't feel like that anymore. And, you know, I've just become so tired lately. Sunday mornings, the Lord, you know, understands that I can't get out of my bed. And, and there was load shedding. You know, I laughed. People told me that the location of our church is a bad area. Really? Really? We had people leave our church after the looting last year because we are in a bad area. By the way, they live in, in, in Schlange, Mount Edgecombe area. And I just thought to myself, funny, you know, okay, I won't even go down that line. I won't even go down that line. But we're the only area on stage five load shedding that doesn't have load shedding. Bad area, brother. Bad area, sister. Oh, no, God takes care of His children. God looks after His children. I don't care if you come here and you couldn't bath because of load shedding. I'm telling you now, we've got air cons. We've got the place to worship God. God is taking care of us, His children. Oh, God is for you, man. God is with you. And God lives on the inside of you. The government deem it important enough to make sure this area has electricity. I like it. I like it. Make the devil pay for the problem. Everybody's complaining about service delivery. Well, I must say one thing about Eskims. They, they're right on time when they cut our electricity off. Their service delivery is pretty good. Hey, we're not living in comfortable times. We're not living in easy times across the world. But God promises victory after victory for His church and for those that are plugged in. And the foundation of that victory is the Word of God. But the challenge is many ignore the Word. Many ignore the Holy Spirit. So I've got two scriptures I want to really focus on this morning. Isaiah 48 verse 17. I really want to encourage you to bring your Bibles to church. But Isaiah 48 verse 17. The Bible says, Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, who teaches you to profit, listen carefully, who leads you by the way that you should go. I want you to hear me again. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer. Who's speaking? God. What is He to you and I? Our Redeemer. The Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord, your God. I, not your work, not your boss, not your finances, not your misfortune, not your struggle, not your, your crisis, not your emotions, not your wife, not your husband. He says, I am the Lord your God. I am. The great I am. When He revealed Himself to Moses in Exodus, He said, I am 
who I am. I am all you need to be. But what will the people say? Tell them I am has sent you. I am your savior. I am your healer. I am your provider. I am your peace giver. I am the one that gives you joy in the midst of sadness. I am, I am. I will meet your every need, but you have to be plugged in. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way that you should go. Oh, that you heeded my commandments. It's it's, it's almost like in regret. Oh, that you had heeded my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your descendants also would have been like the sand and the offspring of your body like the grains of sand. His name would not have been cut off nor destroyed from before me. In other words, he's saying, listen, I've given you the word. I've given you the roadmap. I've given you your, your GPS, the Bible. And when you listen, Obey the Word. The Word. I said it to somebody in gym yesterday. Nice guy. I like him. Got a great call on his life. Doesn't even recognize it. Goes to church, but he's not like on fire. And he's got a spiritual heritage. And I said to him, what does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say in Hebrews 10, 25? And he goes like, "Um, uh, 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 do you know? It's a good, good way to answer it. Of course I know. I'm asking you. Do you think I'm going to ask you what the Bible says in a certain scripture if I don't know that scripture? I'm not that stupid. But, but I said to this guy, because <laughs> he told me something that he wanted to do, and I said, you're mad. I said, you're crazy. And, and, I, 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 and I was challenging him. I was challenging him. I love challenging in a nice way. And here's the reality. If we don't have the word, how's God going to guide How's the Holy Spirit going to lead us into all truth if we don't have the Word as the foundation? Now, I'm not talking about just having the Word without the Spirit. I'm saying having them both. But if you don't have the Word as the foundation, many Christians don't progress past salvation and into the destiny that God has for them because they don't know the promises of God through the Word of God. So when they go through a battle, they go back to reasoning. They go back to emotional decisions. They go back to almost a a season of flakiness. And then when it doesn't work, they leave that church that they're in and they go to another church where, it's, where it seems great for them and they don't get their breakthrough there. So they then go to another church and, and all they end up doing is being like these little pot plants that move from location to location. It didn't work for me. You weren't plugged in. It didn't work for me. You didn't do your part. It won't work for me. Hang on, stop saying that. And so my question this morning is, how are we going to walk in the victory that God has for us in this life if we don't know the Word? Because the Word reveals whose you are. The Word reveals who you are. Which ultimately results in you walking in God's plan for your life and His purpose for your life. I mean, the manufacturer determines what it's making. And the manufacturer determines the purpose. And we've gone back and moved away. I mean, the Bible says in Genesis 1.26, the Bible speaks about God's talking. He said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God's given us dominion. Why? Because He made in His image. 
We're made in His likeness. It goes on in verse 27, it says, then He made them, watch this one, this is going to shock a few of you. Then He made them male and female. The moment you're a Christian and you say, God didn't make them male and female. Pastor, be careful. You know, we're living in a very sensitive world right now. Am I a Christian or not? Are you a Christian or not? Oh, that's narrow-minded, really. Who am I to question God? My parents told me, okay, what did God say? The school I go to, they're teaching us now that, 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 ooh, pastor, you can't talk like that. Do you want to bet me? Do you want to bet me? Because we now pandering to a world system and we are now pandering to a cultural system and we are now pandering to, to, to people's emotions and feelings that we're seeing an absolute chaos rise in our world and the Christian is sitting there going, just be nice now. I remember when my mother passed away and, and we had a lot of family feuds because they didn't want to have a proper Christian wedding. And I, anyway, whatever happened, happened. And, and we had a little bit of uh, um, uh, intense fellowship between the, my brother and I where it ended up being very intense. And I said to him, you people need to respect who I am in Christ as a Christian. Like I've got to respect your beliefs. But if you criticize my God and you criticize Christianity one more time, I'm going to either smash you Oh, I have to leave. It's two hours after my mother died. Two hours. So I left. Anyway, cut a long story short. They eventually reconciled and they gave me a 10-minute window in a funeral. And I'll never get my dad's words to me. He said, uh, Glenn, just be easy on the people. Do you think I'm going to be hard? My mother's just passed away. I'm going to tell them about the love of Jesus. Just be easy. Just don't go too hard at it. But I mean, what do you say? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should die, not uh, should, should 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 live and not die. Whatever. And, and, and uh, I am the way, the truth, and life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. I mean, what, what what am I saying that's wrong? I'm preaching the Bible because there are people sitting there, 700 people sitting there, who who are facing a coffin or facing a death, and they wrestling with what is happening in front of them. They don't understand it, because every time we go to a funeral, we wrestle. Every time we go to a funeral, we ask questions, because that person's coffin who's here has already crossed over. There's no way back. They've either gone to heaven, or they're separated from God for eternity in a place called hell. That's what the Bible teaches. Woo, pastor. You can't say that. Are you saying people of other religions are going to hell? No, I didn't say that. I said those who don't accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, they're going to hell. And I'm not saying it. That's what the Bible teaches. And you can wrestle with God all you like, my brother. You can wrestle with God all you like, my sister. You can, you can fight me and shout me, but then rather fight and shout at God. Oh, we've got to be politically correct. Where was Jesus politically correct? You know, if you're a Christian, you must, you must always smile, really. So you always smile. I want to see you. Do, you. do you put paintings up on the wall and huh, frames and pictures? Ever done that? Look, I'm not very good at that. If, if I've got a light bulb that's broken, 
if my wife gets tired of being broken, she changes it. If it gets too long, somebody has to come to the house to change it, right? That's me. But I want to ask you a question. When, you, when you're putting that painting up and you're hammering that nail into the wall and you hit your thumb, I know exactly what happens in your life, right? Because you're all glowing in the dark and you look perfect and you've never done anything wrong. When you hit your thumb with that hammer, all of you start praying in tongues and worshiping Jesus. I, I understand. I understand. I know, I know you people are holier than I am. Right? Because you put in this religious thing. And we come to church and we all glow in the dark. But the reality is, have we bought into God and His Word? Have we made a decision that now that we're born again and we experience that peace that God can only give us, that now we're accepting the Bible as the truth from Genesis through to Revelation. Whether we understand everything or we don't understand everything, we're going to accept it. When God says, love your neighbor as you love yourself, I know it's difficult, but we have to trust God for the grace to love that neighbor. Bless those who curse you and spitefully use you. When I got saved and I said, God, use me. And I'll never forget about a year later, I was complaining to God because I felt like people were using me. And God said, oh, can I remind you of the prayer that you prayed? I mean, we're hypocrites sometimes, right? God, to you, I surrender all. And then we want to start stipulating what he may not have. All to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. Except my wallet, bank details, and my time, and church on Sunday mornings. It's true. He's made us in His image and likeness, which is spirit. And then he says, okay, now, now I'm going to give them a, a bodily form. And guess what? I'm going to call them male, female. Don't go there, pastor. I'm going quickly. It doesn't say he made them she days Or he days. I'm identifying as skinny. From now on, I'm skinny he. And if any, anyone of you ever say, I'm fat, I'm going to take you to court because you're degrading me. I am now identifying. What does God say? Let's settle it once and for all. Our identity comes from our Creator, God. Our spiritual identity, our physical identity, our purpose comes from God. Our life is in His hands. I've got a little time left. Don't know how we're going to get through all of this. But turn to Matthew 16 verse 5 quickly. Remember, I am the Lord your God who teaches you. There's a journey and a relationship with God where He's going to teach you. And He's going to lead you by the way you should go. He will teach you to profit and He will lead you the way that you should go. In Matthew 16 verse 5. I don't think I've ever preached on this portion of Scripture. But it says, Now when His disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You see, if you become a Pharisee, you'll become Sadducee. Okay, okay. That's corny. But at least some of you caught it. 
And they reason, maybe that's why some of you are sad. Because Pharisees and Sadducees were religious. And they reason among themselves saying, it is because we have taken no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, oh, you of little faith. I mean, he didn't mince his words. They've been serving him, walking with him two years. And they're moaning amongst themselves. And he walks up to them and says, oh, oh, you little faith. Where's your faith, man? Do you think Jesus did it with a smile on his face all the time? Packed it in a cushion. Candy flossed it. You sweet people, you've got such little faith. Really? He was a carpenter. He was rough on the edges. He would have seen them mumbling and grumbling and he walked into that circle and said, Oh, you of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. Why do you reason among yourselves because you've brought no bread? Do you not yet understand? Do you not yet understand? You've been in our church three years and you do not understand. You've been following me two and a half years and you do not understand. Or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 when Jesus fed the 5,000 two chapters earlier and how many baskets you took up? 12. Nor the seven loaves of the 4,000 which he did in chapter 15 and how many large baskets you took up? Seven. How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? But to beware of the, watch this, leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. I want you to be aware and beware of the leaven, the influence of religion. The influence of man, the influence of culture, the influence of society, the influence of hierarchy. I mean, our president is going to the Queen's funeral next week, Monday, whenever it is, tomorrow. But he's gone to America first. And one of the meetings he had with the deputy president of the United States of America was to discuss gender equality and gender identity and I'm sure he's gone in there with his Bible in his one hand to try and show her what God says now here's the challenge I don't care what struggle you've got I mean, I care. I've got to qualify that. I don't care what that struggle looks like. I know God loves you in spite of it. I know God cares about you in spite of it. I know God wants to help you in spite of it. And I will never judge you for whatever you're going through, whatever battle it might be, wherever you've stumbled, I'll try and point you to the Word, to the promise, to the hope that God gives you which is found in scripture and that's what Jesus was saying to him oh you have little faith why are you worried about this what I'm trying to warn you is watch out for the influence of those around you and of the world on your life verse 12 then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread but of the doctrine the teachings of the Pharisees and Sadducees so here's my question 
Something passed out asked last, word, last week. Where does God fit into your life? Just ask yourself, not your neighbor, not your spouse, not your wife, your husband, not your children. Don't look at your parents now, please. But where does God fit into your life? Can people around you see that God has priority? Is He still, is He God of your life? Is He the Lord of your life? Is He the owner of your life? Is He the boss of your life? Or are you, Lord, and He's God, G. I mean, I remember when I just got saved, they used to teach about how to, how to prioritize your life so that you could have a great marriage and that you could have great kids and everything works out well for you. And they always used to say something like this. The teaching went like this. God first, then your wife, sweet, then your children, then your work, and then you're serving in the church. And then you're finances and then you're here's my question if God is first if God is first then he can at any time tell you what he wants to do with your life I mean there God calls Abram in Genesis chapter 12 Abram is living in a wealthy land Abram belongs to a wealthy family he's living a comfortable life and God says Abram get out of your father's house get out of your country Get out of your familiar circumstances and go to a land that I will show you and I'm going to bless you and you're going to be a blessing and through you all the nations of the earth shall come out, whatever. And verse 4 says, so Abram departed. I don't read anything there where he spoke about his wife and told her the GPS of where they're going. I don't read anything there where he negotiated with his children and said, I promise you there's a private school there somewhere. I don't see anything like that. All I see is God giving an instruction and Abram obeying. So right in the book of Genesis, it already just throws out that teaching. Now, I'm not talking about a reckless life. I'm talking about, we talk about things all the time. But when it comes to instructions from God, I don't negotiate with nobody. I don't negotiate with my wife. I don't negotiate with my children. I negotiate with nobody. Because when God speaks, I've learned to say yes and amen. Where does God fit into your life? Because He's not part of your life. He is your life. Who has or what is influencing your life? Because first and foremost, we need to be influenced by God first. He teaches you. He leads you. Who has formed or is forming your persuasions in life? I mean, the reality is, as a believer, as a Christian, where does God's Word rank in your life? Well, I just want to watch this series through, and then I'll start reading the Bible. Come on, let's be honest this morning. Let's be honest this morning. All of us have been influenced by outside factors in our lives. And possibly more influenced by outside factors than God's Word. But I'm going to ask the question again. How's the Holy Spirit going to lead us into all truth if we don't know the truth, which is God's Word? Can I push it a bit? How are we going to receive godly counsel if all we're doing is we're going to somebody with a title and we don't know what the Word of God says? 
Or we go to a Christian who's supposedly been a Christian for a long time, but we don't know what the Word says, and they don't know what the Word says. We once had somebody counseling us, and they told us never to ever have your kids in your bed as a young married couple. Well, we had our kids in our bed, but where's that in the Bible that says they can't sleep with you? Some things you've got to work out yourself. But there are other things that are very clear through the Word of God. And sometimes we go to people for counsel and they're good, well-meaning people, but they get caught up emotionally and they don't give you the Word. And they feel sorry for you. Well, we should have empathy, but empathy doesn't mean we move away from the Word. If you come to me with a financial challenge, I'll pray for you, but I'm going to ask you if you're handling God's finances correctly. I'm going to ask you, are you a tither? Are you generous? Are you a seed sower? Because for God to deliver you and for God to deliver me from bondage in an area like finances, there are principles we have to apply. Are you a worker? Because the Bible says if you don't work, you shall not eat. I'm going to ask you all those questions, and maybe then we've got to start at a prayer of, Lord, help Jack get a job. Pastor, there are no jobs available. I can give you 500 opportunities right now. There are jobs. This is maybe not where we want to start. Woo. Pastor, I said last Sunday, there's no relationship with God outside of His Word. God cannot lead you outside of His Word. And that is the foundation of our relationship with Him. So let me ask you a question. Let me shift this a little bit. What is your appetite like for God? Well, I'm at church, aren't I, Pastor? Okay, but what, 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 how did you come to church this morning? Expecting God to do something? Expecting God to speak to you? Expecting to encounter Him in the worship? You came with this hunger for God? Because God works where there's hungry. Uh, there's a hunger. He doesn't look at the numbers sitting there. He looks at the individuals that are hungry for Him. Are you hungry for God? Do you have an appetite for God, for His presence, for His Word? There's a certain restaurant I like that I, I frequent every now and again. It's, it's a nice restaurant, but I don't go there for their steak. I don't go there for their steak. I mean, I eat the steak so I can have what I want after the steak. It's a restaurant, I won't say its name, but, but I go there for their double thick whole tin of caramel in two scoops of ice cream. I have this insatisfiable, this is my right word, love, desire, and relationship. Let me explain it to you again. With the two scoops of wanton caramel ice cream. I don't think it's called like that. I think it's called double thick, but it's like two scoops of one tin of caramel ice cream. In other words, it's one tin of caramel ice cream in two scoops. I don't even taste the food that I'm eating before that. I go there with one intention. If I could and put myself, not put myself to shame, I would just go straight for the ice cream. But I've got an image to uphold in front of people that are eating with me. But it's this insatisfiable desire. The Bible says, as a deer pants for the water. So my soul, we've got to get back a hunger for God. 
We've got to get back an expectation in God, in His Word, when we come to church, when we go to home cell, when we study the Word at home. Because we enter the story in Matthew 16 where they've just seen two phenomenal miracles where Jesus fed 5,000, excluding women and children. So close to 20,000 people on two fish, five loaves, and there were 12 baskets left over. A chapter later, he feeds 4,000, excluding women and children, so possibly close to 16,000 on, on, on a few fish and loaves. And there are seven baskets full to the brim, brim left over. We enter the story and the disciples are discussing that they've forgotten the bread. Can I say to you this morning, I've got two points because time is really running out. Don't forget the bread. Don't forget the bread. The disciples forgot to take the bread. The Word of God in the Lord's Prayer is known as our daily bread. Give us our daily bread. In other words, they forgot the Word. And I want to say that after this pandemic and different things we've gone through, many have moved away where we were locked down. We had time to, to dive into the Word. But many of us forgot what the Word said. And many of us started more, listening more to the external influences of this world and allowed those other things to come in. And, and we started trying to reason the Word of God. And we try to reason different things. And we've forgotten the bread. A lot of people sitting here this morning and they're in Belito that God has done so much for and they've forgotten the bread. They've forgotten what He's done for them. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord of my soul and forget not all His benefits who forgives all your sins, your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. People have forgotten the Word. They've forgotten what the Lord has done. Psalm 107 verse 20 says, He sent His Word and healed them of all their afflictions. And we're carrying these afflictions and we're carrying these burdens and we're carrying these sicknesses and we're carrying these, these dep this depression and we're trying to reason it and we're trying to work out what the world is saying. But we forget that the answer is found in the Word. It's in the Word. Remember the bread. Remember the bread. And if you play like it, I'm going to fall asleep as well. Ooh. People have forgotten the Word. They've forgotten how the Word delivered them. They've forgotten how the Word healed them. They've forgotten how the Word set them free. And I want to say to you this morning, don't allow hell to trick you into forgetting the bread. Forgetting what God has done for you. I mean, if God has done something for you, if God has saved you, if God has delivered you, if God has protected you, if God has done something in your life, I want to challenge you quickly to jump to your feet and give Him some praise in the name of Jesus. Oh, oh come on, praise Him better than that. All of us, 
Oh, come on, he saved me. He's healed me. He's delivered me. He's done it before and he'll do it again. I might be in the middle of a battle right now, but God is still with me. I might have the Egyptians on my back, but I'm telling you, he can part the Red Sea. He can open the sea and you can walk through on dry land in the name of Jesus. I've got to close. I want the worst team on the platform, please. Quickly. We serve a good God. Quickly. We serve a good God. Quickly. We serve a good God. He's good. Everything He does is good. Have we forgotten the bread? Have we come to church and we're with Jesus and we still forget to bring the bread with us? We still forget to, to see what He's done. We've still forgotten that He's a good God. I mean, how many of us have come to church every time and we're in the presence of God? Maybe it's our ritual. It's our, it's our, it, 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 we, we sort of, oh, we have to be there. But we come into the presence of God, yet we're unthankful and we're ungrateful. They're in the presence of God, Jesus. These disciples are in His presence and He's holding them accountable. And He says to them, have you forgotten that your help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth? That all our help comes from Him? Because like the disciples, we have a tendency to forget the goodness of God. Like the disciples, we have a tendency to forget the grace and mercy of God. Like the disciples, we have a tendency to forget His Word and His promises. So Jesus holds them accountable and says, Now listen, my brother, my sister, we need to be warned. And He warns him twice. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. My whole message this morning is to get you back to the Word. And if you don't know where to start, start reading the book of John. And once you've read the book of John, read the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, then John again. And then go back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then read the book of Acts. But the point I'm trying to get to is start somewhere there and begin to read. Open the book of Proverbs and every day read one proverb for every day. There are 31 proverbs in the Bible. One for every day of the month. And don't try and read three, four hours a day. Just start with 15 minutes. But get back to the Word. Become disciplined because as you become disciplined in the Word, you're going to begin to love the Word as you see hope and it renews your mind. Jesus holds these disciples accountable and warns them, I've done this for you. I've given you, you've forgotten the bread. But beware of the leaving of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So I'm going to ask you as I close, how is this world influencing you? How are your friends influencing you? How are your work colleagues influencing you? How is your family influencing you? He warns them of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, and he calls it leaven because, watch this, who you hang with affects how you rise. The world has an agenda and it's influencing us without us even realizing it. And who we hang with and who we meditate upon and who we watch is influencing us. 
because who we hang with or what we watch and hang with affects how we rise. Come on, just lift your hands here this morning. Come on, God is good. God is awesome. The presence of God is here this morning. Father, we come this morning. We come into your presence. We come with a holy expectation in who you are in our lives. Father, we come and surrender every battle, every challenge, every circumstance, because we know, as our pastor shared this morning, you give us victory after victory after victory. You are the source of life. You are the source of hope. You are the source of expectation, Lord. Lord, we come before your throne of grace with boldness to find help, grace, and mercy in our time of need personally, in our city, in our nation. We look to Jesus Christ, the author, the finisher of our faith, because we know in you we can live, move, and have our being, because you are the source of everything we need in this place this morning. So we come and worship you. We come and honor you. We come and honor the presence of God this morning as our number one priority. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us a desire, give us a hunger, give us a thirst for your word, give us a thirst for prayer, that we, each one of us here in Durban, there in Belido, those that are watching online would return to our first love again, get hungry and desperate for the presence of Jesus. Like Mary and Martha, one was busy with the challenges of life. One sat at the feet of the Lord. Father, we come to sit at your feet this morning. We come to drink from the well of life. And we know, Lord, that the presence of God is the bondage-breaking, yoke-destroying presence in our lives, the burden-removing presence as we enter in this morning. So every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody moving around this morning. Maybe you've come here this morning burdened, heavy, challenged, depressed, facing crisis in your life. Well, my brother, my sister, God loves you. God, God got you here this morning for a reason and a purpose because He wants to revive and refresh your life. He wants to come and in a moment, a suddenly moment, remove the burden, remove the fear, restore faith in your heart again. But He wants a response from you this morning. Maybe you've come here this morning with that emptiness on the inside of you. You don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You've heard the pastor preach this morning, but you know in your heart of hearts, you don't have that personal intimate relationship with God this morning. Or maybe you have given your heart to Him once before, but you've wandered away, grown cold, grown unsure about your future, your destiny. Well, God is here this morning. He wants to revive and refresh you. But all He wants from you this morning is your yes. Will you say yes to Him? Will you surrender your life afresh to Him this morning? Will you answer the call of God in your heart this morning? Because the Holy Ghost is a, person, is a perfect gentleman. He will just come and knock at the door of your heart, but you've got to open it up and say, Yes, Lord, here I am this morning. Will you respond? Will you say yes? Will you yield to His grace this morning? Because when you yield, the peace will come. So if that is you this morning, maybe there's a wrestle going on. I want to encourage you, my brother. Encourage you, my sister. Res respond to him this morning. So if that is you, just raise your hand up high. Say, yes, that's me. Please pray for me. I want to come to Christ. I want to come to Jesus. I want to know that peace, that grace, that goodness, that forgiveness in Jesus' name. We're so proud of every single one of you here this morning. The Bible says in Christ, you're a new creation. All things pass away. All things become brand new. So today, everything in your life changes.
because Jesus Christ has become Lord of your life. Amen. So just place your hand upon your heart. Just close your eyes. We're going to pray together as a family. And just repeat after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died for my sins. And on the third day, you rose from the grave to give me life. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, to be my Lord and my Savior. I receive your love, your peace, and I thank you. From this day, I'm a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you this morning for all these young people that are standing in the front, those that are in their chairs. I really pray that Jesus Christ would be formed in their hearts. Lord, may you raise them up to be mighty, strong ambassadors, serving you in their generation. May many thousands come to Christ because of their witness and their testimony. Bless them and strengthen them. In Jesus' name,